is the Lord. I think Henry summed it up a minute ago, don't you? I was thinking about this not too long ago, and um, especially this week, because I was thinking, wow, we are at the end of 1 Corinthians, but we're not going to get everything accomplished I wanted, because, you know, next week's Advent, and it's hard to believe that Christmas is right around the corner again. I know we haven't even made it to Thanksgiving. You're probably thinking, we haven't made it there yet, Pastor. Wait a minute. But, um, I mean, time is moving on, and this is, I found a place where we're just going to jump off of right here in 1 Corinthians this morning. We're going to be in chapter 15, and I was thinking about what Henry said. You know, it's just really true that we get to be here, and this is really something to think about because when we come together, we've been trying to really understand the book of 1 Corinthians that when we come together, there's something special that's going on. In fact, it's not just the fact that the Holy Spirit is here in a special way, but it's also that we're here together experiencing him. And so when you think about why we worship on Sundays, for instance, we worship on Sundays because that's when our Sabbath would start, which is different than what the Jews did, because that's the day of the week that Jesus was raised back to life. And I'm talking to you this morning about the resurrection of the dead. So something's happened in the, in this, in the history of the world, right? Something has clearly happened. Jesus was raised back to life. And so because of that, we who follow him, we meet together to remember that and to be a testimony to the world that something has happened in our lives. It's amazing because when I think of the song, He Touched Me, I mean, isn't that really what the person who wrote that song is really saying? Something's happened and now I know, right? Something has happened. So something to me as a follower of Jesus Christ, I came into an experience with Lord Jesus myself on a personal basis. And because of that, I knew that I was going to attend church. <laughs> I, I tell you this all the time, and I think the reason I tell you this all the time is because something really happened, right? Something really happened. I met the Lord. And what's interesting about that is that I met the resurrected Lord. Um, this is really something to think about because most of the time what we've done, it seems like to me anyway from my perspective, and maybe it's a little bit of me telling on myself somewhat, but what we've done is be, even though we've had an experience and we've met the Lord, many of us, um, we are coming together, but we come together for different reasons, don't we? Um, there's something that is important to me that I want from the Lord, I guess, is how when I first came to the Lord, that's the way I looked at it. And so a lot of times when I came to the Lord and I met with the Lord and I was with my brothers and sisters in Christ when we were meeting with the Lord, I used to have these goals in life that I wanted to throw before me because there was this there was this idea of what I thought life should look like. And when I, the reason I say that is because it really looked a lot like the American dream, honestly. 
And so when I, when I thought about what the American dream looked like, now I wasn't like sitting down saying, well, this is the American dream. But when I look back, I can see what I was thinking, if that makes sense. But I thought the American dream was really what we needed God to help us to accomplish. So I would, most of my prayer life would be centered around, you know, I want to have the life with the picket fence. I guess that sounds a little cheesy, but you remember those expressions. I want to I have the life where we're living in a nice home, my family is happy, all of these things. And so I think what's happened is when we Christians, when we get together these days, not just here, but all over, we are really coming to the Lord to try to get him to do what we want him to do. Instead of coming to the Lord and helping us to, having him help us move our will aside so that we can do his will, we're trying to find a teaching, maybe a 12-step program to be able to achieve the life that we want in the American dream. Somehow it's gotten intertwined. And so what we've been doing when we've been going through 1 Corinthians is we've been getting hopefully a reset because sometimes we just get off target, don't we? And it sounds like with what I'm talking about, that's part of what was going on, at least in my case, maybe it's in your case too, that we kind of missed the main thing. And the main thing is that Jesus was raised back to life and he lives, and because he lives, we too will live if we have a relationship with him. So when we come together, it's actually a testimony to the world that is disconnected from Jesus that we exist because something happened to us. We've met him in some way or other. We know him, and that's why we're together. So We've been going through 1 Corinthians, right? And what we've been seeing, especially if you go all the way back to the earlier messages when we were talking about some of the issues that they were dealing with, the people didn't really understand that there was a resurrection of the entire body. In fact, if you remember those earlier messages, what they were saying to each other was that not only Um, was there not going to be a resurrection of the body, but somehow they could do as they saw fit in their own eyes with their bodies because God doesn't care about their body. When the Lord returns, it's going to burn up everything, right? Do you remember that? And what Paul was saying is, that's not true. God wants the whole of you. God, God wants to save you, mind, body, and soul. And he said, it does matter what you do with your body. Because remember, they were joining themselves to prostitutes. They, they were doing things that they should not be doing. And so they really felt like there were, some of these people had a special spiritual quality about them. And some of them, they, if you remember the gifts, the gifts were fully operational in the church. They were believers. Um, there was a lot of dissension in the church, but the gifts were fully operational. And so maybe somebody might be speaking in tongues and it just made them look very spiritual to someone else. And so really trying to get on a spiritual plane with the Lord was what their goal was. Somehow if they could have an experience with the Lord that somehow people would look to them and say, man, you're holy. 
you are holy. So they were off target. And so we're coming to a place now in our passage, if you're in chapter 15 with me, hopefully, we're going to look at verses 12 to, I think, 34. But this passage is coming right after where Paul is actually talking about how Jesus was resurrected. So what he's doing is he's bringing everything now around full circle, and he's saying, listen, all of this stuff that we've talked about up to this point, the reason why it matters is because Jesus was raised back to life. Now, this isn't on the overhead, but I just want to give you a for instance here. If you were to look up at the first part of the chapter in verse 3 and read to verse 8, what you would see is elements of the sinner's prayer. It's almost like a confessional. So what they're doing in this confessional, I would assume that the church in Corinth would seriously maybe recite this to each other because you know they probably didn't have the Bible like we do. They didn't have access to the Word of God. So what they would want to do is to make sure that everybody's in line and they are reminding each other that we have seen Jesus. We have believed the message of the apostles who have seen Jesus Christ, right? So Paul's even saying in here, he says, look, I've seen Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes. And he gives a list of people who have seen Jesus. So this is a huge thing. And then he says, because Jesus lives we will be resurrected too, right? There's going to be a full body resurrection of us as well. So when we were singing that song, there's power in the blood, the reason why that's so important for us to understand that is that Jesus actually spilled his blood. His physical blood was spilled on our behalf, right? So that song reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ was not some vapor or some uh, ghost-like person. He was a human being, God in the flesh. And you remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church? When we meet together, we are God in the flesh as well because the Lord dwells inside his temples, which become one large temple. Y'all with me? So we're talking about the resurrection of the dead. So let me get into the scripture because I want you to hear what Paul says and it's going to be a good little chunk but it starts with verse 12 and this is what it says. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? You see the problem, right? This is the problem. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? We're not going to get into this. That's, that's a whole other rabbit trail here. Why, why are people baptized for them? And for us, as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. He's talking to the church. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Quite a, there's, I mean, there's like three or four sermons in there, y'all. And I, I mean, I, I'm sorry that I'm just doing a survey. But the first thing I want you to see this morning about why it's so important that we understand about the resurrection of the dead is Christians put faith in Christ. The resurrection of the dead is why Christians put faith in Christ. So what you heard is from a man, the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee who was out to persecute the church, right? You remember those stories in the book of Acts? The church is doing well, and what Paul wants to do is he wants to destroy the church. He wants to put everybody Men and women, it doesn't matter. He wants to put him in jail. So he's on his way to do just that. He's on the Damascus Road. And if you know the story, you know that when Paul's on the Damascus Road, he and his buddies are ready to find Christians and put them into jail because they're worshiping Jesus Christ. So what happens on the Damascus Road Paul comes face to face with Jesus. Remember this? And he sees the resurrected Jesus Christ. So like any normal human being would do, right? Once you see a man who was once dead alive before you, you're going to scratch your head, right? You're going to think something's going on. 
immediately Paul's life begins to change because he's come into contact with the resurrected Jesus. So just like Paul, we have believed his witness. And because we believed his witness, some of you, many of you, have had an experience with Jesus Christ, which means that he must be alive. This is more than just some sort of feeling that we might have. We know that it was seen by many witnesses. This is something that we normally talk about on Easter, but you could go up below um, chapter, or verse 1 and read the verse 11. You can see how many people saw the resurrected Jesus. Because they saw him, they put their faith in him. So because we continue to believe the message, we put our faith in Jesus. This is why we get together. This is why we're reminded of the resurrection of the dead. But the problem arises if we are just people who are trying to figure out a way to achieve the American dream. Sometimes we may forget about the resurrection, and what we'll do is we'll simply be like Thomas Jefferson. You remember him in history? He's the guy that took all the miracles out of his Bible, made his own Bible. He said Jesus is a great moral teacher, so he's going to follow his morals because obviously the teachings of Jesus Christ, even if you don't believe in him, if you just simply follow them, your life will actually be better. So he picked up on that. So Thomas Jefferson would say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and follow this. And I, I expect that this is what most Christians do. We simply have forgotten that the resurrection of the dead is something that's going to happen. If the fact that Jesus Christ lives means that there will be a resurrection for you and me. And this is why we put our faith in Jesus, because we know him. For instance, people would simply believe that maybe Jesus isn't who he says he is. Maybe they would say, no, he wouldn't have been the one that was dying on the cross, all this stuff. They would say, this is just something, God is nothing but a mere vapor, or maybe that's more of a Gnostic tradition. God is nothing but a mere vapor, maybe a mere ghost. Maybe there's nothing to it. And remember, I was pointing out to you about the song, but Jesus is who he says he is because he was crucified on the cross and he was raised back to life. So we put our faith in him. So let's look at the next thing I want you to see. The resurrection of the dead is why Christians are willing to suffer. So now, we've figured out that Jesus is, he's resurrected. We figured this out. Paul's telling them this. Corinthians, you know that Jesus is resurrected. This is the truth that you've believed in. This is why you actually assemble together. This is why you are to follow Jesus Christ. But it's interesting because Paul meets Jesus on the Damascus Road, and I've already said that he's changed his life. And what Paul is saying is, if, Corinthians, you are saying to each other that there's no resurrection of the dead, because remember, the Corinthians want to live how they see fit. Remember that? So if there's no resurrection of the dead, then somehow I can eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? Right? 
This is what I can do. But he's saying to them that if there's no resurrection of the dead, then there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what? This means that everything is futile. Everything that we've believed in has been a waste of time. Paul says, it can't be. Because I and the other apostles are so persecuted. People are trying to kill us. We risk our lives because we believe in the resurrection of the dead every day. In fact, you heard what Paul said. He said, look, you know what? I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. And so he's not meaning like he was taking on lions and alligators, whatever you want to say. What he's saying is people were trying to kill him in Ephesus, and he's writing in a bit of a code here because, remember, that's still current at the time of writing. So he's being very careful to write about it, and he says, I fought wild beasts. If you remember the story, when he showed up in Ephesus, he told everybody, all of these idols that you see are not gods at all. They're not real. And the people that were making the little gods for people to worship were making a lot of money. You remember this? They were making a lot of money. And because Paul was teaching about the resurrected Jesus Christ, people stopped buying all of those gods. Well, the guy that made them said, we can't put up with that. He's killing us financially. So there's a big riot that takes place in Ephesus. And what's so bad about it, Paul has really done nothing. They're going to get beaten. In fact, it's going to be so bad that he's going to despair of his life. So it's interesting that if there's no bodily resurrection, why would somebody subject themselves to that kind of a thing in their lives? You know, most of our teaching right now today seems to be coming from YouTube and TikTok, right? I mean, I, I, I just, I spend hours, poor, poor Mr. Brazil here has to teach math, and, and so is his wife. I, Lord bless y'all, because I'm telling you, whenever I'd sub for a math teacher, <laughs> the kids are around your desk asking you how to do stuff, and it's like, I don't, I can barely spell math. Don't come ask me. They have to teach. But I'm able to walk around a bit with the kids. And all that I hear all day long is all the theories that are out there on YouTube and TikTok, right? All the right and wrong that they're learning. In fact, one student told me last week, he said, you know something. He says, can you believe the Titanic is a lie? No. He said, it was just a rust bucket, and apparently some guy on YouTube said, you hear this? Are you hearing this? Some guy on YouTube said that it was so bad that he, they, apparently that what I'm getting from this kid is that he sunk a different ship for the insurance money. Okay? Dude, have you ever seen these kids talk to you with a straight face? They're not trying to make you laugh. So he's just telling me. And I'm like, well, let's think through this for a second. 
There's a problem with that because there were survivors from the Titanic, right? There were survivors from the Titanic. Remember that? And in fact, you can even go on YouTube and hear some of their stories. <laughs> some truth is out there. And they described what happened. In fact, it's, it's marked with the GPS. We know from the data that there were certain items on the, on the Titanic that we can actually pull up from the bottom of the ocean. Actually, some of them have been pulled up. They're marked, right? And I said, if these people were all lying, somebody would have told the truth by now. Right? So what Paul's saying is, if this is a lie about the resurrection of the dead, we're the most to be pitied because we're fools for going out and taking a beating like we're taking on a daily basis. I was thinking about when we were singing our songs this morning. We show up in our nice clothes, right? And we, we, we get out of our nice vehicles, come into a warm place. The apostles are in rags taking this message to people who don't want the message of Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear this. But because there's a resurrection of the dead, the apostles know that they have to be found faithful in carrying out the gospel. Because what we've learned all the way up to this point, right? It's that what we do and do not do, even though we're believers in Jesus Christ, apparently it matters to God. And if there's a resurrection of the dead, then if Jesus has been resurrected, we know that we'll be resurrected. And so if you're willing to go that far, then the next step would be, if we're going to be resurrected, that means there's going to be an accounting. That's what that means. That means I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and you are too, and we're going to give an account for things. Well, I can tell you my goal is to not have to give, give an account for doing the wrong things and for not doing the things I know to do. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see, which is the last thing. The resurrection of the dead is why the kingdom is already, but not yet. Jeremy was asking me about this. This is a tricky sentence, isn't it? It's a tricky thought. The kingdom is already, but not yet. Did you pick up on what Paul said? In fact, there's a section in here. Remember, he'd been talking about the day of the Lord in the background of everything, hasn't he? This whole time, the day of the Lord. Because remember what Paul was doing? He was getting the church ready for the day of the Lord because they're going to be presented without spot or wrinkle. So what we find out today is most people tell you that just simply believing that Jesus is real somehow presents us without spot or wrinkle. Right? But Paul is correcting the Corinthians. These are believers that he's correcting. He says, look, there's a day of the Lord coming. And because the Lord has been raised back to life on the third day, just like he said he would, just like scriptures foretold, we too are going to be raised back to life, which then would assume, one would assume, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. 
So Paul is trying to get the bride of Christ, if you will, the church, ready to stand before Jesus. And so now Paul's saying that Jesus is already reigning. Did you all pick up on that? Which this is interesting because what we generally hear is that Jesus isn't going to reign until he returns. But this is present tense stuff. Jesus is reigning right now, which then would say that the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. So the already is going to be that those who are submitting their lives to Jesus Christ right now are being ruled in the kingdom of God. In fact, we are citizens of heaven right now, and more than likely, it happens through those who are part of the church. The world is not submitting to God, though, right? Because I've already pointed out that you've got YouTube and TikTok teaching everybody counter-Christian messages. The world isn't submitting to God, but the church is submitting to God because the kingdom is now but not yet. When Jesus comes again, what he's going to do is bring his kingdom into its fullness in this world. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to happen because his people who follow him are still here. The fact that he ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father means that he is ruling his kingdom right now and he is subduing the enemies of God. Did you hear what Paul said? But the last one to be subdued is death. I don't know if you're picking up on this, but Paul's given us a little bit of doctrine of the last things that are coming which then suggests that we are there. Now, 2,000 years ago, they, would ne- they, they thought Jesus was right at the cusp. Of course, 2,000 years later, here we are in America. Now, it just seems like Jesus is he's prolonged, and it's just a better idea for us to get these good moral teachings that come from the Word of God and let's pursue the American dream because we're going to be here for a while. But common sense would tell us that if Jesus is going to return, and this is what Paul thought, that he's certainly closer today than he was then. So if the kingdom is already now but not yet, that means just like in the church of Corinth, Christians have to be submitting themselves, surrendering themselves to the rule of God in their lives. How are we doing with that? I don't know about you, but I'm living in a world where Christians make up their own rules. I'm living in a world where Christians say we're actually calling wrong right and right wrong. And it's in the church today. If you're willing to go so far with me right now with what I'm telling you 
about the importance of the resurrection of the dead, then go with me just a little bit further, and I'm going to use the J word that people are terrified and appalled at in the church, and it's called, I'm going to sound judgmental. Or am I being account- holding people accountable? Where's the difference? I don't know, but I'm assuming the difference is going to be I'm not looking at some people in disdain. I'm looking at people in love, right? Because I care about them. But if you're willing to go this far with me right now, what this tells me is that if God's kingdom is already but not yet, if there's, if y'all, now you commit right now to coming back next week. Okay? We can tell who's God and who isn't. We can tell who they are that love the Lord and who doesn't. Have you picked up on that through 1 Corinthians? We give ourselves away, don't we? We give ourselves away in various ways because we say to the Lord what we want. We, we pray to him what is really in our heart very often. And very often, what's in our heart is things that only the world can offer. Or that's what we think. Very often, we want to go ahead and commit the sin that we want to commit. And let's just write it off to the fact that we're not going to be perfect until Jesus returns. But the problem with that is that if he's, his kingdom is established now, we're revealing ourselves not to be connected to his kingdom. Now, I'm not saying we're never going to make a mistake. But what I'm saying is if you're someone this morning who calls what the Bible clearly calls as sin, as good, you may have a problem. If you're taking your idea of right and wrong from a code other than the moral code of Jesus Christ that says, love God, love your neighbors, and be content with what you have. If you're taking your code from something other than that this morning, you're not concerned about the resurrection of the dead in the right way. If you are believing that you can do as you see fit and be able to stand before the Lord on the day that he returns, you may be fooling yourself. Do you realize there are going to be people who attend church all their lives who are going to miss heaven? And why would that be? I'm going to wrap this up. If you remember in the book of Exodus, what, sh- what, what surely stung me in the book of Exodus on those Bible studies is the fact that at Mount Sinai, Moses and the Israelites went up on the mountain and actually ate with God. They saw him. They actually heard him. They saw him. They ate with him. This is interesting. And you would think because they did that, that everybody would have their act together and love the Lord the right way. But guess what? 
Aaron's two sons were in that group. Remember this? And Aaron's two sons worshipped the Lord the wrong way later on. You know what happened? Fire jumped off the altar and consumed them. The only way I can understand something like that is that I think that many times we worship the experience of who God is rather than God himself. And because of that, we no longer surrender to him. In fact, it might be that we want him to perform for us. If you are putting your faith in an experience or in something other than the fact that Jesus was raised back to life, you're way off target right now. Come back on target. If you are someone who says we we shouldn't have to suffer, I'm going to tell you right now that this fact that we suffer solidifies the truth of who Jesus is The entire book of the Bible is built off of people following the resurrected Jesus Christ even though they suffer because they understand suffering now means comfort later. It's not far-fetched anymore for us to suffer in the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you something. This is how God sorts people. If you're suffering right now, you put your faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ and you follow him. Don't turn away from him. This is when it matters. If you are not following the Lord right now and you are doing things your own way, stop. Because the day of the Lord is near. If this stuff keeps me up at night, it might as well keep you up, right? I'm sharing the wealth. But it's about time God's people turn back to being concerned about what the resurrected Jesus Christ is concerned about. If we can do that, you know what I think could happen? The church turns around. I don't think I got any more kids coming up to me and telling me about TikTok. Tell me what they learned from TikTok. I don't think that I have any more kids doing things as they see fit. Because I know where that leads. It leads to destruction. Now, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I try not to be. But you better believe if the dead are resurrected, there will be an accounting for what you did with the knowledge of who Jesus is as a follower. Did you fight him? Did you reject him? Or did you embrace him and did you do what he said? That's what it comes down to. 
These clothes mean nothing. The houses mean nothing. None of that goes with us. But whether or not we were truly His right now. If you're not there this morning, I'm just going to simply tell you, once Janelle is done and I pray, if you would like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, this is the day. This is the day. If you are somebody who didn't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been far from him and maybe you've been mad at him. I don't know. But if you want to stop being at war with Jesus, we will pray for that to happen. We will pray for God to bring peace into your life. But I'm not going to promise things just turn around on a dime. Your faith will be tested. But you will stand firm because of the resurrection of the dead. You know, you know. That's why I'm here. That's why many of you are here. He touched you and something happened. And now you know. And the fact that you know means you are accountable. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray with you. If you want to pray with me after this prayer, come and find me. We'll get off to somewhere private and we'll pray. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so thankful that you are leading us and you are showing us, Lord. Lord, if our heart's not breaking for all of the kids right now who are so lost because they don't even know who you are and they've only heard bits and pieces, Lord, would you begin to break our hearts for this? Would you break our hearts for people who are lost from you? Would you break our hearts, Lord, when we sin against you? I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that is struggling with any of the things that I've said, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would reveal it to them through your word. Let it not be my voice that they hear, but it be your voice. I pray this for me, Lord. Let me hear your voice. And we'll put everything else aside. Go with us now and help us to take these truths to those who need to hear them in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen.